G'day, and welcome to the Whiskey Roundtable podcast. In the 2020 lockdown, four whiskey mates from Sydney, Australia, started a live streamed show about whiskey each week, basically to keep ourselves entertained and sane. Roping in friends, special guests, and experts from all around the world, in 2021, we've decided to turn these weekly chats into a podcast. G'day guys, I'm Alexandra Dallenberg or Whiskey Culture. Uh, I'm the New South Wales Operations Manager for the Speakeasy Group and also Viking Queen of Miolna in Sydney. Hey guys, I'm Andrew Milne, originally from the UK but now living in Australia with the rest of this gang. I run the marketing here for International Whiskies and Agave for South Trade International. Hi, I'm Matt Bailey, the National Ambassador for the Scotch Malt Whiskey Society. And I'm Scott Fitzsimons, Whiskey and Spirits Educator at the Oak Barrel in Sydney editor of whiskeyarden.com.au and founder of whiskeymerch.com.au. Things can get a little bit loose and a little bit rowdy in these chats, so we do apologise if the audio trips over itself every now and again. This week, we're excited to have a special guest that we've been chasing for a while. Prolific author, producer, all-round expert on all things whiskey and spirits, Dave Broom. Okay, I get it. That's the last time I'll try to play that plonking video to start us off. But arguably, five minutes of silence is the most insight that you generally see from an episode of Whiskey Roundtable. So for those of you watching, welcome to another episode of Whiskey Roundtable as I talk to myself through my phone. It is a pleasure to be back here, even though here in Australia, Summer is over. All hope is gone. Bring on the whiskey drinking weather. My name is Scott Fitzsimons and it's an absolute pleasure to welcome you back to the Whiskey Roundtable podcast with Milne, with Dahlenberg, with Matt Bailey and with very, very special guest for tonight's episode, Dave Broom. Now, some of you might be familiar with Dave Broom. If you go to Dramfest in Christchurch, he's usually standing in front of a stand with a whiskey atlas behind him. If you get that whiskey atlas home, you might see his name on the front of it. Various books, various websites, various expert opinions. You've probably seen date rooms in the producer credits of movies, all that sort of stuff. But as we do on the Whiskey Roundtable podcast, we always look to someone's email and their email signature in particular to really understand who they are. Uh, and in this case, on Dave Broom's email signature, we actually have a quote from the Irish Times that says, an agreeable man with pep and, uh, pepper and salt beard. Uh, so just looking at my, my screen down there, it, it looks like we've, we've got the right bloke tick. Um, that, that's all good. G'day to everyone. And Dave, welcome to this uh, crazy little Wednesday night chat or Wednesday morning chat called Whiskey Roundtable. Thanks, Cody. I uh, greatly appreciate it. It's lovely to see you all after uh, quite a while and an interesting year, certainly. It's been a year since I saw Alex, actually. Almost exactly a year. <laughs> Almost exactly. Are and, we uh, talking super- about what happened? <laughs> we will. The, the super we spreader will. event in Melbourne. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. Wes, I'm so excited to have you. I think um, I've mentioned it to every single staff member and anyone I've spoken to today like three times. But I was like, oh, my God, we have Dave Room on with Roundtable. So super excited, big fan. Um, and yeah, should we kick it off? Yeah. Well, what are you drinking? <laughs> yeah, well, I want to say good day to everyone who's watching in, in the chat as well, whether you're on uh, the, the Facebook channels on the, that weird place that is the YouTube comment sections. Uh, quick shout out to a bunch of regulars, to, to James, to, to Kirsten, to Mark, uh, to Daniel, uh, to the big daddy of the stream, Mark Westmoreland from the Wolfburn <laughs> Distillery. Uh, <laughs> Dan Mathers from Queensland Malt Whiskey Society, from Joel, um, everyone thing. But, yes, um, Alex, the question that we're all been dying to ask, do you want to take the honours today? No, no, you go for it. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, what are we drinking in our glass? We want to know whether it's whiskey, tea, bonnox, tequila. Um, Bailey, you, you seem to have your glass at the ready. What's in your glass first of all? Uh, it was a tasting I went to actually out the back of the Oak Barrel at your fine establishment, Scotty, there. Um, in the back alley? In the, out the back of the Oak Barrel. Oh, uh, and uh, and Dave was hosting along with I think Alex Bruce at the time and I think Charlie as well. And you talked about how grain is underrated, grain whiskey is underrated. So I'm on a grain tonight deliberately after that comment. And I'm on a G10, which is a uh, society G10, which is now March out turn. So I am um, 15 year old grain. Very good, very good. Awesome. That was a good night. That was good. That was good fun. 
Well, remember the beginning of it. Yeah, yeah, not the end. <laughs> as, as soon as it spilled into the back alley, it was all... all <laughs> yeah, it starts at the back, goes to the back alley where it gets a little bit more seedy. That's why I had to just ask, where were we positioned? Melody, <laughs> uh, what's in your glass, mate? I'm on, well, I'm, I'm on a bit of a, a minis adventure tonight. Um, again, for sort of thinking about having Dave here, I was, always remember being sort of discovering old things and discovering things in the back of the corner and sort of going back to things that you've tried before and you know, forgotten about is always um, an impressive way to sort of look at whiskey again. So I've got a selection of minis in front of me. At some point, I'll probably poll and work out which I should be tasting next. Um, but currently, I'm on Armoric Maitre de Chais. Um, so a really nice little French French whiskey. Yeah, cool. Nice Alex, fun. what size is your Jack Daniels bottle tonight? I have finished the Jack Daniels bottle tonight, actually. Um, <laughs> She's already one bottle in front of us all. It's fine. <laughs> um, I am just on the PC10. Um, I am doing a pop-up on... Monday for International Women's Day, uh, in which I'm working with PC10, and I'm putting it in creaming soda and turning it into a slushy to serve International Women's Day at uh, the Howling Wolf for their uh, Boss Babe bar takeover. So I'm just getting with the flavours because I need to see how much uh, creaming soda I am going to absolutely stuff it up with. Dave, I know it's about 2 a.m. and uh, frightfully cold where you are at the moment. Uh, but uh, what, what, is, is it tea? Is it coffee? Is it water? It, it's, it, it's tea at the moment. It's, it's some green tea. Uh, very nice green tea. Uh, yeah, it's a wee bit early. Yeah, it's, it's still it's 20 to 9 in the morning. So uh, even by my standards, it, it's a tad early. Uh, <laughs> although you never know what will happen within the next hour. <laughs> I might need a drink. We will probably drive you to drink. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> there, there, there's, a, there, there's a bottle of Ardnamurkin lurking very close to me uh, within <laughs> reach. So uh, I, I, I could, could well raise a glass of that to you later on. Yes. <laughs> Bloody oath. Um, just watching the, the comments come through here, uh, it's a little bit apt that Michelle and or Mark Burns have uh, jumped in and saying g'day to everyone because I am actually drinking right now the Aisling Apera, so one of the very first releases. Uh, that's what I'm on at the moment, one of the uh, the better um, new Australian releases that I've that I've had. But once I get through that, um, I've actually got a little bit of this left to go, the new Akeshi, well, not the new Akeshi, but Foundations 2 from them, um, a very aggressively peated. Um, and then because we had to open, we had a staff farewell um, last week that I need to open a bottle for. So if I do need to polish off a Ben Rieck 35, we've got that as well. So that's that's my flex for this evening. That's um, a fucking flex there. Is, is that how you pronounce it, considering Aisling? I thought it was Aisling. I thought it was Ailing. I thought it was Ailing. That's why I asked. I have the modern this, 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 so is, this, is the, this is the modern day Le Check, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, those guys are from where I grew up or where I was born. If I'd known that they were going to build a distillery and a mole house just down the road, I definitely, I definitely wouldn't have moved. It would have been great. <laughs> Yeah, and a big, big shout. Well, maybe the, the team from Griffith, and I do think that East and West Griffith have different dialects as well, so maybe they can give us a bit of a hand on what that actually uh, is meant to be pronounced. But, um, Dave, you've yeah. had a, a, a bit of a year. Um, we briefly yeah. touched upon it that almost exactly a year ago the world seemed to implode uh, here in Australia. It had been imploding around the world already. Um, you were a little bit tangled up from that, but do you want to give us a bit of an insight on in what the the past ten months, uh, uh, sorry, twelve months have looked like for for Mr. Dave Broom? Yeah, uh, well, the, <laughs> the, the 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 short story of it is that uh, did a premiere of the film The Amber Light in Melbourne uh, almost exactly a year ago. Then I went over to Dramfest in Christchurch. Uh, my wife and daughter were with me, so we're, we're taking a holiday afterwards. And on the day after Dramfest, I got a, a, an email from the Australian Health Authority saying that somebody with COVID had been been at there wasn't me. Somebody with COVID had been at the, the film premiere, uh, and we had to go into everything that was there. Had to go immediately into quarantine. Uh, so I went into quarantine for for a couple of weeks. I uh, came out of that. Uh, we had one day's holiday uh, as a family. We went oh, to shit. Hobbiton. Uh, uh, and then uh, level four lockdown came to New Zealand and we couldn't get back because all our, our flights were cancelled. So we were there for seven weeks. 
uh, and, and came back to the UK, I went straight back into lockdown again. <laughs> so, <laughs> so uh, I'm now kind of in my fourth lockdown. Uh, there, was a, there was a short break uh, during the summer where we managed to get up to Scotland uh, to see some folk. But other than that, I've essentially been in these four walls. Uh, actually, it's more, there's more than four walls. There's this, the house, you know, the house in general. I don't just live in one room. <laughs> that would be extremely unsanitary. <laughs> but is, 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 isn't that how they? Isn't that your house? You're so prolific with your writing. Is you only get let out once you've finished a chapter? <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I've got a publisher kind of going. Ah, excellent. Yes. <laughs> not moving around the world. <laughs> you can get some work done. <laughs> yeah. So, so essentially that's it. But then you know, work essentially shut down. Uh, and everything. You know, all the projects which which were planned for for last year were cancelled or, or postponed, uh, rather. So, yeah, it, it's been an interesting and fairly tough year, to, to be honest. But uh, th- this year started off OK. The, the work, work seems to be starting up again and uh, the sun is shining and, you know, spring is coming. And, yeah, yeah, we move on. Awesome. We, we have had, uh, just before I throw to uh, the, the next question, we've had a bit of a development on the chat from uh, the team at Ashlyn Distillery. So A-S-H-L-O. I can't remember who got closest, but I'm looking back to the podcast and award some points uh, for that. I was well. so far off, so it's not me. Alex, I think you've been, I can see you jumping out of the chair with a question. Uh, yeah, I want to I want to get straight into where the love affair with whiskey started because you originally started out in music, studying music. Is that uh, correct? Did I read that right? No, no not quite. Uh, okay. I, studied, I studied English at uni. Okay. And then I, then I got a job with a, a, a wine shop called Oddbins. Uh, and at that point began writing about music. So I <clears throat> started writing about music. Uh, and but also kind of selling booze, <clears throat> and then after running a pub, I I ended up getting a job with uh, Drinks Trade uh, Weekly called Off Licence News, and became features editor there, and began writing about all sorts of booze. So that, that, that's kind of, that's kind of ha- how it happened. So the writing life kind of started with music, but soon kind of gravitated towards uh, alcohol in general, and then when I went freelance, began to specialise in spirits. I'm really starting to pick up like a bit of a scene here. Like Matt, you've had a little bit of background in music. Scotty, you've had a little bit of background with music. Um, I know Dom Roscoe did as well. Um, so basically, is it music that drives you all to drink in whiskey? Is that right? Yeah. Yes. It has that effect on you. <laughs> it's a direct correlation between the two. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I mean, I know you from whiskey books, um, but you've written multiple books. I counted, I think, over 25 books you've been involved with. Is that correct? I don't know. Also, I'm very old, you know. I mean, and some of the books are very small. <laughs> some are no more than pamphlets, really. You know, you know, but they've got hard covers, so you can call them a book. But yeah, yeah, I've done a few uh, over over the past few years. Yeah. Okay. Uh, for those at home listening and on the podcast, do you want to tell us some of the names? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry about that. I thought you would all have them. Uh, so I, I can I can hear that publisher banging on the door. Plug the book. Plug the book. Plug the book. Uh, yeah, I mean, whiskey. The War of Black Atlas of Whiskey, which has had two editions, uh, Whiskey Manual, uh, which I quite like, and well, I like the Atlas as well. And I suppose the most recent book actually is a book called The Way of Whiskey, which was uh, it's a book about why how Japanese whiskey is Japanese. So it's a look at whiskey within Japanese culture. Uh, so. Yeah, yeah, those are probably the most recent. Uh, a new edition of the gin book has just come out as well. Uh, but yeah, yeah, so so that's it at the moment. And then other things bubbling away at the moment. The, the Way of Whiskey was one of my favourite books that I think I've read on, um, on whiskey. I th- and I think because a lot of whiskey books are quite dry and it's just very, you know, there's, there's less about the sort of story. You, you can go sort of full sort of Ian Banks and it, it's more of a story and nothing really much about the whiskey and then you can go kind of very dry whiskey that's um, you know facts and tasting notes and sort of not much of the story but yeah you know, I, I love that book that it's sort of having never been to Japan felt like I was there just through you know the sort of um, 
the, the way that you write you just you sort of you were, you were there as, as part of the experience it was um yeah it's a very different yeah. style of writing that i really enjoyed that's cool yeah i, I like to i just wanted to do something different with it to be perfectly honest because there's great books about history whiskey history there's you know really good books writing about you know tasting notes etc but you know to try and do kind of long form examination of of japan uh through the eyes of a stranger kind of thing with amazing photography you know from a friend called Take. uh yeah it, it kind, of, kind of fell into place and yeah it, it was it, it was a challenge really because you know, i came with this idea that you could you could look at Japanese whiskey and the principles behind Japanese whiskey and the, the thinking of, of the whiskey makers and they, they struck me as being very similar to, to the, the approach taken by somebody making ceramics or, or making tea or, or, or whatever you know, that kind of general Japanese aesthetic uh, and I went with that idea and I, I wasn't really I, it could, could have just been a you know, fucking mad thing to, to think but it was really interesting talking to craftspeople and also whiskey makers uh, and not forcing them in any way but the the, the language they were using about their, their approach to, to their, their craft was exactly the same. So, yeah, it was a real revelation for me. Uh, so, yeah, it was good. It was really, really good fun. And um, for, for those who might be listening back to this podcast, there's a bit of a comment from the YouTube comment section of all, and this might be the first in history sensible comment we've had in the YouTube comment section um, from... <laughs> From from Murray or the the Muzz man who features on a lot of uh, live streams with Matt Bailey on the Society, who is if there is a a, a book on whiskey or even spirits that he do, does not own, it does not deserve to exist essentially. Um, and he, his comment is the way of whiskey is still one of the most beautiful books on whiskey around, and that is that is very high praise coming from the Muzz man himself. Yeah, most of the comments we get on YouTube are people asking for Alex's number or. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> It's and it's you really have to be careful when you pay like for all those internet bots what you are, like you do ask them to do and I I sorry I paid for the wrong one that week I do apologize. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but, fuck you guys. So, so on on the topic of Japanese whiskey and, and so forth, but you, know, you you were there multiple times in, in what was quite quite very much the early days before Japanese whiskey was really regarded as what what it is today. Did you did you feel like you were on the verge of something really special when you were there, or, or was it a sort of you know because there were other whiskey producing countries at the, at the same time? Did, did it feel more special in Japan, or yeah, were you yeah, kind I don't, of I yeah, I, I, I think it did. I mean, mainly because I was kind of I'd been, I'd been obsessed with Japan for, for many many years before that, so, so to go there was kind of a treat. So it's all kind of oh, you know, and the great sensory <laughs> overload, but. But you know, I, as soon as I began talking to to the whiskey makers and blenders and everything, and realising that their approach to whiskey was similar to Scotch, but just off in that that wonderful way that Japanese things are, it's just kind of whoa, you know, it's slightly off. <laughs> it kind of goes takes you slightly off to to one side. Uh, so it was immediately apparent that not only were were, were the whiskies uh, single malts, especially of, of of really high standard, but but the the thinking behind them, the flavour and the way the flavour was presented is different and the way in which people uh certainly europe uh, just suddenly went wow you know you know, you know it was it was yeah a, a new world of whiskey was opened up and i i think it's actually it's funny i was talking to some whiskey makers in in uh in america uh but west the westland guys actually just, just yesterday oh, and, and, and they were saying you know one of the the great building blocks for them was Japanese whiskey, you know, it's, it's sort of just kind of showing distillers that there wasn't just this one way that you should make whiskey or could make whiskey. So, so yeah, I, I think it changed people's, I think it, it widened the palate and it changed people's thinking, not just consumers, but also, also a new generation of whiskey makers. So, yeah, in answer to the question, yes, I mean, yeah, it was, boom, you know, mind, mind blown kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, I it, it, their their approaches. I, I think it was. I think you were part of the tasting um, when they released uh, Distillers Reserve and Kushu and Yamazaki mm-hmm. uh, with Whiskey Exchange, and he he had the Shinji was there and, and he had the the cask samples, and and individually they were average and it was you had this really young cask sample that was was interesting it was light and fruity but fell short and there was this really old sort of 25 year old hakusha i think 
that was just sap and wood and, and it was crap. Yeah. And he was sitting there going, these three components make something amazing and, and it's this process that is actually more important. And you know, why bother putting an age statement on the bottle when you know there's everything here that's that's better than if I just give you a 15-year-old whiskey. Um and it was yeah, it was that same thing that I think we ended in a Yamazaki Mizunara. Um with it was a vintage of some sort. But I remember you saying Mizunara smells of temples and incense. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it did. Yeah, and I, I, I was kind of, told, I was told that on my first day in Japan. Actually, it was Koshimizu, who was Shinji's predecessor. Uh, and yeah, I was, I was there with Michael Jackson, uh, the writer. You know, not really. <laughs> yeah. uh, and, and we, we'd never come across Japanese oak before Mizunara before, and they'd never released Mizunara before. And it's kind of where is this now? How do you describe it? And we were kind of scrabbling around trying to find words to to describe it. And Koshi said, uh, "We say it smells of temples," which was absolutely no fucking use because uh, I've never had a Japanese temple, you know. <laughs> you know, that's this. This uh, is but, where scratch know, and sniff labels need yeah, to come in. Yeah, like, the, so you scratch the label. Yeah, <laughs> 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 I, I then went to Japanese temples and realised the smell of Japanese temples is from the incense, and the incense gets its significant smell from this compound called. Wood, which is kind of wood fungus, and when you get Mizunara of about twenty years onwards, you get that smell of that incense uh, coming through, and boom, yeah, it does smell of temples and incense. Like, uh, yeah. There you go. Um, I, I, I do want to talk about a, a couple of other topics very quickly, but just before we get off Japan, there's a good question that, that came through, and this is something uh, from from Kirsten but it is mm. something that we've been fighting for um, as a consumer base in Australia is some regulations around whiskey rules. And, and so just very quickly, Dave, uh, the new whiskey regulations in Japan that are going to enforce people to say where the whiskey is distilled, how it was made, what are your opinions of it? Are they are they correct? Are they going far enough? Are they going too far? What, what's your initial reaction? Yeah. It's the first step. It's not that they're not regulations and they're not rules. They're guidelines uh, for members of the the Japanese Spirits Association. So if you're a member of that, you have to abide by that. But they're not enshrined in law. Uh, so that's the next step because uh, hopefully, you know, the, the wishes of the, the the members is that kind of peer pressure will either force people in to become members, or uh, everyone everyone will then begin to understand that there are these new rules in place. So it's it's step one, and it's a big step, and it's taken a long time, and there's been a lot of fighting. Uh, so so all praise to to, to the the companies who've managed to to get this agreement in place but it is only the first step so I would say still be aware you know if you see if you see a label and you think hang on a minute I've never seen this whiskey before try and find out about it Uh, it's sadly it's beholden still on on the consumers to actually try and find out uh, about it but so yeah step one that's all it's actually I think it could be more impactful for people than what people in Australia know because I don't know if many people have realised this but New Zealand they're distilling Association has put in practice the regular the the guidelines. They're about a month away from being accepted, and it's something that needs to happen in Australia as well. So I think if in our market if we're looking at our very close neighbours in Japan and New Zealand, and they're doing it, it's something we should get behind as well. So yeah, very much so. Uh, yeah, Tash McGill sent me over the the kind of the, the initial look of the of the uh, New Zealand regs, uh, and they look really really good. Uh, you know, there's sufficient flex for people to be able to innovate and improvise and you know make whiskey, but Regulation is really, really important because it, it protects oh, yeah. consumers. You know, uh, ultimately protects consumers. So, so yeah. Trust it protects the appellation of the spirit, protects the sort of the flavor yeah. and the and the, the, the spirit yeah. as well. Yeah, yeah. exactly. It, it gives it gives integrity and it, it gives you know you have to corral it in in, in some way. And you know I, I've I've been working with, with some guys over over in the Caribbean about rum. It's a silver talk about regulation. It's a really boring thing to talk about. Uh, but you know you, you talk to rum producers and they, they're all going. We wish we had the same regs as a Scotch whiskey had, you know, and yeah. gin producers. We wish we had the same regs as Scotch whiskey has. And then you, you get people complaining uh, who don't understand the importance of regulations going, oh, you know, the SWA, you know, they're restricting innovation. No, they're not. <laughs> they're not. They're protecting the name of Scotch whiskey and, and flavours flavors that you love. So, yeah, regulation, good thing. I just... For me, I just saw it as another chance for New Zealand to be better than us at something. So, you know. <laughs> I'm not entering into that one. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
quick one just on it like you you talked about tasting and and dave anyone who's met you or been to a, a tasting with you they know that you love you've got a real passion for this all of a sudden in the past 12 years as you said you've been living pretty much within that four walls in that house you've been doing some stuff recently in in the virtual sense doing some podcasts and vlogs and that sort of thing how have you adapted just personally to this new world of looking at a little camera on a computer screen rather than being able to interact with people and sharing the drinks yeah it's a great question that scotty i was thinking about that this morning and it's a funny one i find it really hard to write uh you know uh, normally can write writing blocked off but I suddenly realised that the, the lack because I used to travel so much and go to shows and meet people etc etc you know a lot of the writing a lot of the, the shorter for magazine stuff etc and columns uh, were generated by conversations and conversations out in the real world and what I'd learned in a market or what I'd learned in a show or whatever and suddenly having that cut off that kind of external stimulus uh, which helped to kind of fuel creativity if you, if you want that was cut off uh, so I've had to kind of begin to adapt to that, uh, and yeah, it, it's not—it's not been easy to, to to be to be perfectly honest. You know, it's not been easy in terms financially. It's not been easy emotionally. It's not—it's not been easy, for, you know. Uh, but I, I, th- I think I've kind of found a way around it now. Uh, but yeah, it, it, it's such a fundamental change, and it was only quite recently that I kind of began to go. That's why, because it's all very well sitting in these little boxes and talking to each other, but that human interaction is so important, you know. And the the human interaction of being able to share a drink and actually look into people's eyes and see their see their body language and and, and everything, and, and you know. And heading into back alleys to 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 have sneaky drinks of green whiskey and drinking bottles <laughs> back of room, back room, back room, you know, back room. That, that, that's kind of what whiskey's about. Whiskey's about <laughs> it's about community, and I think community's been really good at holding things together. I think platforms like this will continue because it's a new way for the community community to, to feel to feel a certain coherence. But but by God, do we miss physical contact? Uh, you know, so. So, yeah, yeah. Just for anyone listening on the podcast, I think there were five faces on the live feed then that just nodded their heads. Um, <laughs> you said that. All of us were just, yep, we all, yep, absolutely miss it. Yeah, 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 absolutely. But, you know, th- 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 things will change. Th- things will come back. And I, I think there's some positives, to be honest. You know, like the, the whiskey show, which which Andy used to run so magnificently uh, in, in, in London before he was kicked out of the country. Uh <laughs> You know, uh, you know, last year, last year, I had to go online, and you know, did an incredible job online, and put on classes that we couldn't have done uh, because of architecture. You know, there's only so many master classes you can go on, and if you have a master class, you've got to have liquid. But we could then have discussions without liquid that were actually really interesting. And, uh, so that that was a way of kind of changing things or being forced to change things, but doing it in a creative way. Uh, so you know, I, I don't think we've we've we're still kind of stuck in this business meeting thing. You know, this format was was built for business meetings, uh, whereas what we need is to be able to start using this medium in a creative way uh, and make it more like short films or, or television programs or or. Or whatever. This way, it's like Japanese regulations. This is kind of the the first step. Uh, so I, I'm looking forward to to, to the creative possibilities uh, moving forward to 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 reach out to people. I think we just turned it into a weekly piss up, didn't we, boys? <laughs> <laughs> What, what well, do you see, mean? That's, and that's, not that's a bad how it thing, started. You know? <laughs> that's what I'm saying. It was. Just... <laughs> you know, uh, that's, yeah, I, I've had many liquid piss ups with, with friends. You know, kind of. All right, then let's just do it. And uh, yeah, it's good fun, but at the same time, I once got the call from friends in in the UK. I was, it was about six, seven a.m. I woke up and I got a text from a friend saying. All of us are on the Zoom call. If you want to come and join, it's just like I was like, it's it's one a.m. in the UK at this point. I was just like, you guys are hammered. I was like, the last thing I want to do, sitting there with a the coffee, is just like, morning, guys. It's like, 
Well, it's, it's the only downside between the time zones is, is joining Zoom calls in different countries. Milne, that's what the record function is for. That's when you just get up and you don't say, well. Um, but I think it's a really like good point, David, that we're scratching the surface of this technology and we probably should have been using it for, you know, five years previous. But I know with the Sydney Whiskey Fair, we turned into the forum and all these, you know, discussions we couldn't have. And um, I want to just jump back to a, a comment from Steve McGarry, who um, distills some rum here in Australia, up in Queensland. Um, it says he's been loving the liquid antiquarian content you do mm. with, with Arthur. And oh, for wow. me... And we've we've had that conversation amongst the four of us that when when you're in town, you know, the conversation we have at Burrow Bar at two AM is very insightful, but we don't always remember all of it. And and we, we wish Burrow Bar the best with their move at the moment. But this is now the same sort of content, the same sort of free flowing conversation that is there for eternity. Um, you know, what sort of inspired you know that that they, oh do you want to maybe tell us about that that sort of that platform that you're using then? Well, yeah, the, the antiquarian, yeah, the antiquarian was kind of. I mean, I've known Arthur for those of you who don't know Arthur, uh, is the purchasing director at this is really grand at Royal Mile Whiskies. Uh, great guy, uh, very keen uh, amateur historian. He doesn't like being called that, you know, but really interested in not just whiskey and flavor, but but stories that are behind it. As am I, and he came up with the idea that that. We and he we, he's also got access to this incredible private archive that one of his neighbours has, uh, and he thought, well, why don't we just begin to look at these old documents and uh, old objects and labels and postcards, and begin to really look at kind of the the ignored or the forgotten or the misunderstood stories about drink in general. Uh, so we we call it liquid antiquarian because we are antiquarians and not not historians and not archivists, uh, and. You know, when I tell you what we've been talking about, it sounds incredibly boring, but I think it's actually quite interesting. Uh, so when I looked at the, we actually read the 1823 Excise Act because nobody else has, uh, and realised that the story that it reveals changes your idea of how whiskey evolved. I've just done one on high on clearances and agricultural improvements and how how that changed whiskey as well. You know, and how tidy could have been as important as Isla, but for for the the, the actions of it, of its landowner. Uh, Arthur's looked at Champagne during the First World War, looked at weird stills in the 19th century. Uh, so, yeah, it, it's just us kind of fossicking around in, in old books and, and papers and, and finding stories. Uh, Dave, I am. Um, I love it. So, so do join in. It's on YouTube. Liquid Antiquarian. The Liquid Antiquarian. I had to, uh, I had to present a tasting on... Uh, focusing entirely on Klein Leash a few weeks ago. And um, as a result, I had to learn a whole lot about Highland Clearances. And I think I can understand the appeal of of uh, delving into that side of things uh, more so now than I ever have, which was which was fascinating. So, Yeah, I mean, I, and it's, it, it's a really weird one, that, that one actually, Matt, because if you read all the books about the clearances, whiskey is very, very rarely me- uh, mentioned. But as soon as you begin to kind of pull, pull it all together, I'm just pulling it apart, pulling it all together, uh, you realise that whiskey was actually central to it, uh, or the, the the effects of the clearances uh, had a massive effect on on, on how, how whiskey how whiskey began to evolve. So it was this kind of completely forgotten history yep. that, that really hadn't been explored. So so yeah, so I'm, re- I'm really excited about it, and yeah, I found some some really quite alarming stories about the founding of Talisker. Uh, <laughs> so <laughs> at this point at this point at this point uh, I have to say Diageo were not involved in the Highland Clearances otherwise I'm going to get their lawyers and talk about (laughs) for legal reasons the best of my knowledge Diageo didn't exist so DCL were involved but maybe not Diageo there you go (laughs) (laughs) where's that where's that I suppose this is the advantage of UK lockdown is they can't get the lawyers to you just yet it's 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 funny running like tastings here around whiskey rum and gin in, in particular 
and going through the history is like, how did we get here in 2020 and 2021? And you look back at excise, you know, and taxation, you go, taxation is the most boring thing ever, apart from when you do it, Daniel Mathers, if you're still watching, but uh, tax <laughs> is very boring. But it's such a valuable thing when you go back 400, 500 years, people weren't necessarily writing stuff down, but they go, if they're taxing it, you know someone's drinking it or someone's distilling it, and we say, we want a piece of that. So it's the only time I really get excited about taxation and excise laws is from about 400 years ago. There's a paper trail, and it's great, and there's a wee community building up around that as well. And You know, after every episode, suddenly you get all this 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 information coming in from people that that we, we we didn't know, so it, it's this great ongoing thing. So yeah, who knows where it will lead? But, uh, yeah, it's, it's good I, fun. I so, yeah, you join in. Yeah. I suppose that's the elevation of or the so, um, oh, I've lost the word. Um, the evolution um, of the sort of public tastings, you say, where you, you you turn up to events and you chat and you hear different stories, and it's you know, it's now in these platforms that you kind of hear the odd sort of random bit of comment and sort of like oh this and it makes you dive into something new and dive into something else so it's uh yeah i always it's, it's nice to sort of find new ways at least to sort of pick up those different things that you yeah you've got half a story and someone else can finish the story for you yeah but it hasn't that's kind of been the case with i think it's been with all spirits to be honest that things have become increasingly kind of linear and it's kind of yeah this is this is the way to talk about it and you know it kind of exists in this kind of weird bubble the word that's you know overused these days but you know whereas you know what I've become more interested in always interested in but more interested in upset about recently is that whiskey is a social drink you know and and you know it is part of our it's part of a culture and you can't you can't remove whiskey from the culture it's always going to be part of people's lives and because it's part of people's mm. lives going to it's going to be influenced by massive historical movements or or environment or you know economics you know whatever uh, and I think as soon as you begin to remove it and sort of cut it off and just look at it in this kind of rather boring way of you know it's just this liquid in a glass and or it's just the just the mechanics that take place in a in, in a distillery then you're missing 90% whiskey story you know uh, it's you know there's infinite number of stories that you, you, you can tell about it it's all connected so it's it's finding these connections and that's kind of what that's kind of drives me uh, at the moment but uh, as I said I've been I've been stuck in the room for 12 months so I might just be going mad yeah um, speaking of which, we're very mindful of your time, Dave. You're being very generous, but just just to prove we're live, Australia has just beaten New Zealand by 64 runs in a T20 match that doesn't matter, uh, and it doesn't really matter because New Zealand is still the, the big daddy at the moment, and they're going to win the Test Championship, and we're not invited. But yeah, we um, the only big daddy I want to talk about is from Wolfburn. So no one call anyone else big daddy now except for Mark. We're Mark and the New Zealand cricket team, and New Zealand are better than us. <laughs> Um, how we like to sort of finish off with these uh, these podcasts is the Whiskey Ardent Proust questionnaire, which essentially is a take on the old Proust parlour game, Proust questionnaire parlour game from our friends at whiskeyardent.com.au, which are a couple of questions that are not the obvious ones about whiskey but might give a little bit of insight into personality as well. Uh, so, Dave, if you're game, we've given you absolutely no warning about this, but we're going to throw no. you in the end. He got the copy. He got, okay, he got the copy, so it better be good then. Uh, <laughs> Thanks, Alex. Uh, yeah. Alex, do you, do you have um, want, want to pick out one of those questions you'd like to throw to Dave and then maybe the rest of the panel as well? Um, oh, I kind of gave him a hint, hint which one I wanted to ask. Um, but who is the whiskey love of your life? Oh, the whiskey love of my life. Uh, as against the whiskey hero. Uh, that's a tricky one. Who's I know, love I one? love it. I love it. These these questions, I tell everyone that's on, um, when, when Whiskey Ardent sent me these questions, it was one of my favourite interviews or uh, writing uh, pieces I've done because the, the questions are just so fucking wonderful. <clears throat> Yeah, no, they, they they are beautiful. I I I think I, yeah, I, I'm not going to believe in heroes. So I, I think the whiskey. Ooh, okay, right, abstract. Uh, the whiskey love of my life is probably that is the island of Isla. That is the whiskey love of my life <clears throat> because that's where I go to write and think and learn and just relax. 
So yeah, the whiskey love in my life is a place rather than a person. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I'm actually follow up that question with one I was saving from uh, Mr. <laughs> Dan Woolley, um, friend of the stream and highwayman. How much does Dave miss the full Scottish breakfast on the cow mash on the way over to Isla? Massively. Massively. <laughs> you know, God, uh, we can't get square sausage in here, you know. Uh, my life is bereft. <laughs> Just following Nick Morgan, I think he's you know, he's clearly ordering all the different foods from Scotland. So <laughs> clearly, you just need to work out where his supplier is in Scotland. Uh, you cannot beat the I can't like breakfast. My God, <laughs> I'll agree with that. Isla for me was just it was. I know it sounds crazy. It's millions of kilometres away from me, and that many planes. But for me, it was just like home. Like it was so peaceful and just centered and so friendly. It was like country little town, like being home for me, but millions of miles away. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's it. Yeah. <clears throat> Whiskey wise, that, that's what's kind of closest in my heart. So, so there we go. Yeah. All right. Who's up next? I'll, I'll go for it. I think Bailey had his hand up. Uh, yeah, uh, look, this this question is very very relevant. Being a writer yourself, Dave, um, uh, and writing it as much as you do, what phrase do you uh, do you overuse most when talking about whiskey? Uh, th- recently, it's compelling. I, I keep saying things are compelling, uh, and I realise that things I can't say that too frequently. Otherwise, it loses all power. <laughs> <laughs> Everything's compelling yeah, suddenly. So- yeah, compelling it is a word that I've begun to overuse. So, yeah, stop it. Although, I think it's relevant in some cases. Oh, yeah. Cool. Yeah. I um, we, We've asked this question before, and I'd like to update my answer. It was textural a couple of weeks ago. I'm using the word, I'm using the word aggressive too much at the moment this week. <laughs> like, it's aggressively beautiful. It, like, it just wants to, like, because we, we tried a few Altmores and Linkwoods recently that were, and Glen Tockers that were just so beautifully fruity. They were like, they wanted to shake you around and do it. And then I just described, and I caught myself when I was talking about the Keshi earlier, it's aggressively peated. Like, it wants you to know that it's just like, Stop saying it, dude. Like, it doesn't make any difference anymore. <laughs> um, so I'm updating my answer from two weeks ago. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm going to stop using that, that word now. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 might, I might start calling everything aggressive now. You know, well, yeah, I haven't used compelling for a while. Maybe we can swap. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Please, please have it. You the know. most compelling peated whiskey. The spirit of sharing. Yeah. I give it to you. <laughs> I'll take your aggressive nature and I give you compelling. (laughs) It's the first time anyone's ever called me that, so thank you very much. (laughs) (laughs) And last. Yeah, and last. (laughs) Sorry, Scotty. (laughs) All right, Milne. Um, There's kind of one in there saying, do you prefer sherry or or bourbon? But stylistically, what's... What do you look for in a whiskey? You know, you, everyone, everyone has their own scoring, and and, and you were quite sort of clear in um, ScotchWhiskey.com as to what your system was for evaluating. But personal <laughs> love, what 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 was the what was the style that as soon as you could sort of smell it or taste it, just made you go, ah, that's the one. Uh, no, it, it kind of depends. I mean, what, what, it's centrally boring, but what, what I'm looking for, and, and this applies to wine or beer or, or any other spirits, I'm looking for <clears throat> balance, complexity, and character. You know, and, and that'll exist in something that, that's sherried, it'll exist in something with tropical fruit, it'll exist in rums, it'll exist in gins, etc. So, uh, you know, when I'm looking at a glass, you know, that is, that's always at the back of my mind. And when all of these three things come together, then that's when magic happens and then that's when it becomes what I would often in the past call compelling. But now no longer do, uh, you know. So yeah, that, 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 those are those are the three things that I always try and teach people. You know, you know when they're starting off learning how to taste whiskey, just look for these three things, and then use your own words to to describe it. But they are the most important things. Now that's the the three legged stool uh, of of whiskey. Yeah, I think we need to push you harder than that. What's your desert island dram? Oh, fuck. <laughs> You, you gave a beautiful answer there, but it's not like. I don't know. What, what, what's going on in front of me? Uh, liquid. 
Fucking oh, <laughs> there it is. <laughs> oh, got it. We got, three, it. we got that. You three have been saying, "Oh no, that Linkwood." That oh, never, I, 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 excuse I me, I have never derided Linkwood. I just know that you're a massive fanboy of it. Yeah, but I don't think any like you three have never appreciated it to its level as arguably the greatest malt on the planet. <laughs> Glen Gyle, I think Glen Gyle probably tops up the greatest malt on the planet. Look, he yeah, said it's his oh, Desert Island oh, Dram, not the greatest malt on the planet. That's a there's a far distinction between those two. <laughs> I'm forgetting Longmorn, but there we go. <laughs> well, we are forgetting Longmorn, uh, but yeah, God, you know, I mean, if you if you saw this room, then yeah, it kind of. Yeah, yeah. Ask me that question tomorrow, then it'll probably change. But no, no, it would always be up there. No, I'm, I'm sticking with that. I'm sticking with that. And that's all we have time for Don't tonight. So <laughs> <laughs> Scotty, your question. Um, well, I, it's a little bit tied in. I actually thought when. Uh, Bailey, you mentioned that it was in the realm of being a writer. I thought you might pick my question out. But it's it's one that I uh, kind of like throwing. I think we threw it at Julie Hamilton as well in a previous episode, is uh, when do you lie about whiskey? When do I lie about whiskey? Uh, I, I, I've – when do I lie about it? I don't think I ever lie about it. Uh, well, I, I, maybe I sometimes lie when I say it won't give you a headache. But uh, – no, I, I, I try not to lie about it. I try and be honest about it. And I, I think being honest about it gets me in more trouble than, than lying about it. <laughs> I absolutely lie about whiskey. Yeah. When I buy too much and I have to push it into next month's budget and I tell the bar <laughs> manager that I did not purchase anymore and that that's all he needs to put in for his cogs. Yeah, I, I, I suppose I do that's lie, how lie about, about it. <laughs> that. I, I, I do lie about it because, you know, I, I'm one of these pampered princelings of whiskey and people just send me bottles uh so i i really don't buy whiskey you know uh, but every so often i do buy and, and i do lie about it at that point uh to to my wife because you know the, the, the very concept of me actually having to buy whiskey when there is too much of it in the house already uh yeah that, that just gets me into great great trouble so yeah I, I suppose i do lie about whiskey at that point does your wife enjoy whiskey uh Every so often, yes. But she gets really, really aggressive. Uh. Or compelling. Or she gets really compelling. (laughs) We don't know anymore. We don't know. (laughs) I think there was actually a question that's coming out of the chat from good friend of the stream, Matt Wooler, said, uh, Dave, if you had the opportunity to release a whiskey personality toy line, what would your original five characters to release in one? I think we've already done two of them. You know, <laughs> you know, out of the seven dwarfs, the five dwarfs of whiskey, you've got aggressive, you've got compelling. <laughs> you've, yeah, you've got shy, <clears throat> you have you have fruity, which could go in so many different ways. Uh, smoky, obviously. There's your five. Uh, I mean, is that? Have we got another two? Just no, gonna keep going. I like this yeah, game. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah uh, we we have we have Woody again. Could be taken in so many different ways. Uh, <laughs> I, feel, I just go straight to Toy Story with when yeah. <laughs> Don't make me cry. Again, again, could be taken in very different ways. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, mashy, uh, mashy would be quite good. Yeah. Mashy. What is? What do you reckon? Mashy. They're like. What is? What is Mashy when he walks into a room? What does he do? I know what the other ones do. He just Welsh's. Well, uh, he just kind of slumps, you know. But, he, but he's but he's a hard worker. Like if, if he, oh yeah, yeah. He's a grafter. He's a grafter. If you give him a task, yeah. he'll complete it. He's quite squat, uh, I think. You know, with a bit of, bit of a bit of a gut on him. Uh, but you know, quiet, but just gets on with the job. Mashy, yeah, <laughs> underrated. You know, yeah. I, I'm an ignored member, an ignored member of the team. You know, not not chiselled in any way whatsoever. <laughs> but but you know, without Mashy, where would they be? He's got yeah. them out of so many scrapes. I've got a potential shit question that everyone in whiskey hates. But you talked about it in referencing you, you evaluate based on wine and other spirits. <laughs> when I learned about wine, it was all about you know terroir. It's like does it taste of where it's from, and, and you know your your evaluation is, is is being able to assess what region it's from, and and, and you know the, the sense of place is is a marker of quality as much as as the quality. Do you see that in in whiskey, or do you think it's bullshit? 
by terror. Uh, I, I think if you, I don't think whiskey. I don't think you can apply the same rules that. I don't think you can apply wine terror to whiskey. I think it's, it's, it's a it's a different thing. <laughs> Uh, so therefore, I think you have to come at it from from a different point of view. And people who are trying to jump through hoops to try and prove wine terroir existing whiskey will always be disappearing down down a blind alley. Uh, I think I think terroir for whiskey is place. Uh, that's what it's about. So it brings in it brings in that culture, it brings in the landscape, it brings in the thinking, uh, as well as the the actual flavours themselves. Uh, but I think it's problematic to to talk about terroir whiskey from a through a, through a wine lens. Uh, so yeah, I, I think place is far more important in whiskey than than trying to ascertain. Probably very tiny. If they do exist, you know, you know, if, if there is a subtle difference between different fields using the same barley, what happens when you put that into a cask and leave it for three years or five years? Is that still there? If it's not still there, does it exist? Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, yeah. I, I'm more interested in talking about place, to be honest. Which happens to be the subject of my next book. So there you go. And now we, you, you, you hinted at it. You said things bubbling away, and yeah. so. What can we read into that? And maybe this is a question for the four of us, and you can just nod. You don't have to say anything. You just nod, uh, you know. Uh, so you're talking about different places, so 2 R and whiskey. We're talking about maybe the farming of whiskey as being a big part of your next book? No, and I said up or across. I didn't say arms. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that's good. Yeah, that, 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 that's just one aspect of it, yeah. Yeah, so it's looking at place. It's looking how it's looking at community and culture and how that impacts on whiskey. It has impacted on whiskey and how it's becoming an increasingly important part of. And this is this is based in Scotland, so it's kind of a Scottish equivalent of the the Japanese book. Uh, but it's, it's also then looking at a lot of the new distilleries, such as Ardnamurchan or Harris or Razi or or, or whoever Torvig, amazing whiskey from Torvig. Uh, you know, and how they have the the just the opening of a distillery in those isolated communities has brought community back to life again. Uh, so, yeah, it's a really exciting project. And I'm working with another amazing photographer uh, called Christina Kernahan. Uh, and we've done about a quarter of it. So we're going to finish that off this summer. Yeah. Thank you very much, because that was an excellent segue into what was going to be my last question of the night. And... Um, We've we, we all have had our favourite new distilleries over the time, and obviously in Australia, essentially everything's a new distillery. Um, so I want to narrow this down. You know, let, let's forget about the rest of it. Let's talk about Scotland right now. Um, I loved the Wolfburn, you know, in progress releases, and they remain one of my favourite distilleries. Ardner Merkin, as you can see right here, I've still got a little bit of the first release back. Uh, such a great distillery in its story, and it's coming. We don't particularly. Um, with, you know, our isolation at the moment and we, we don't always get to go over there at the moment, what is the next big Scottish distillery that you think are doing really good things for honest reasons? I've uh, been really blown away by Torrevig, which just came out, which is on the, the south of, of Sky Slate Peninsula. Uh, they just released last last week. Just mind-blowing, you know. Uh, Talus curve is quite Kalila like, uh, you know, in, in terms of not like it's not identical to, but you know, if you think of how uh, the smoke kind of play plays around in Kalila, it's kind of it's similar in Torre Vague. Uh, I've been looking at Razi again, just off the coast of Sky, uh, kind of ever since it, it started. They're, they're, they will be releasing later on this year, and looking at the, the casks last year, they, that's going to be mind blowing. Uh, some some great stuff happening in the West Coast. Mm. Excellent. Yeah. So take notes. And because you provided such a good segue, I'm going to give the honour of the last question to Alex uh, for tonight because I had to get that in there. Because to be honest, I would have beat you all up if I did, if you didn't give it to me. <laughs> Let's be real. Uh, Can we get into lockdown again? Hashtag aggressive. Um, <laughs> what is your happiest whiskey memory? Ooh, that's a sweet one. Um, like these, they, they, I, I, probably a year ago, last time I saw about. you, Alex. You know. Oh, yeah. no. Turn it up. Sorry, uh, sorry, can you repeat that for the podcast? Because I think it might be a little bit hard to get that over both voices. Sorry, uh, Alex, that you just asked that question. Dave, what was that answer? Uh, a year ago, the last time I saw you, Alex. No, that was that was my happiest whiskey memory. Uh, 
Scotty, cut the stream. Uh, I cut think it. no. I, 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 I tell you one. It was in it was in South Africa, uh, where we we'd driven for a ludicrous amount of time to get to this this obscure beach and got to this beach just as the sun was going down uh, in the Indian Ocean. We're just walking in the Indian Ocean with a bottle of. Uh, Glencadam, Duncan Taylor Glencadam, just necking the bottle of Duncan Taylor Glencadam on in the Indian Ocean. Boom! That was whiskey perfection. Mm. I That's think. amazing. So yeah, that, 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 that was an absolute beauty. Yeah. I, I dare say we'd all have similar memories like that, and it's 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 not like the great... out of the bottle. Yeah, every weekend or night. I don't know. Look, I know Mike is sitting on the at the you know Lark Cellar door, the at in. Hobart, in near the car park, there's that sort of brick fence. I've sat many nights at about, not many, a couple of nights, about 3 a.m. after a party, just in the bitter cold Tasmanian Hobart wind, nicking back things with various people. I think that's such a that's such a beautiful memory. It can be. Mm, yeah, it, it, it's just you know, and there, there's many of them. You know, sitting around, sitting around fires. Fires are also quite often quite important. Sitting around fires just with people and just talking. Just you know, I, I love the way that whiskey kind of changes conversations. You know, so you can be really serious at, at one moment, and then all of a sudden you'll, you'll be laughing and you, you'll be you know slagging each other off, and, and then suddenly you'll kind of drift back into to something else and it'll move on. And whiskey's got this you know unrivaled ability to be able to to do that in conversations you know you it's a different sort of conversation if you're doing the same with mezcal it's a different sort of conversation when you do it with rum uh whiskey <clears throat> whiskey just changes people's minds in an interesting way and helps to pull them together uh and that's if that's the message of whiskey isn't it yeah i have great memories of and ending whiskey show or, or sort of finishing the, the Saturday night of the whiskey show where we you do a, a dinner afterwards. So you know, I'm there from six, seven a.m. and have a distiller's dinner till till midnight, kick them all out, and then sit in the floor in a meeting room of a sort of convention hall with one of the bottles from the tastings every that day that I haven't been able to attend, but it's you know, a f- first release Port Ellen or, you know, a fourth release Brawl or something. It's something ridiculous. You just sat on the floor at 1am just going, do you, want a, do you want a glass of this? Yeah, there you go. <laughs> you're almost silent because you're exhausted, but at the same time you're silent because of the moment that it is. It's, you you suddenly breathe the life back into yourself because of, of that amazing time. Yeah, and, yeah. <laughs> and it's great. I and, 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 and realised <laughs> his whiskey in a meeting room, but it's um, I'm very grateful for it. Thank you. Yeah. One of my favourite memories was uh, when I swore at you the first time I met you, Dave, <laughs> and then proceeded to burst into tears. <laughs> yeah, it, it was it was a fairly alarming uh, welcome. Uh, <laughs> you know. You know, you know, people have often burst into tears when they see me. <laughs> Not you again, they say. <laughs> Get out. <laughs> I might need to explain that. Um, I couldn't see Dave in one of his tours of Australia and um, one of the wonderful good friends of us, ours, DHR, Daniel Hutchins-Reed, uh, brought Dave, Alex Bruce and Charles McLean uh, down to Mjolnir to meet me but didn't tell me he was doing that. And as they were walking down the stairs... I stood up to boot them out and go, guys, sorry, we're close. I went, oh, fuck. And I said, I said, oh, fuck. And then and then started crying because I had three of my amazing icons standing in front of me in my bar, but much to my disgust, no makeup, no hair. I was laggy <laughs> AF. And it was one of those moments that just, you would just like, it's the people of whiskey and Dan knew how much it was, um, how much it meant to me and he brought you guys down. But one of my memories was I fucking swore at you. (laughs) And you just done it again. There we go. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to the stream. Look, Dave, thank, thank you so much. You're, uh, you, you've been so generous with your time and we know you've got a full day of work to go and we, we don't. We're off to the pub after this. Um, but I yeah. do want to bring up a good friend of the stream, uh, Gordon Dundas. I'm sure that knighthood is in the mail, mate. I'm sure it's coming through. Uh, whiskey is an all-encompassing experience, not just the drink but the conversation and people. That's why I love it. And, and thank you very much, Gordon. You know, that is exactly, I think, what we've all been, you know, taking five minutes to say because we've all had a few drams now. But it also is I want to thank you. Today, but also the three people, uh, the panelists on this stream, because this is where this started from. You know, 
basically the start of lockdown, everyone's, you know, mental health is doing funny things in, in lockdown and just getting around people and doing the best that you can in terms of recreating those whiskey memories and those whiskey experiences through a, through a virtual platform has been so special. So the, the four of us had a lot of fun, but it is is made all the better by having guests like you from all around the world. And, and Dave, it's, it's been an absolute pleasure tonight. Well, it's been an absolute treat, guys. I've thoroughly enjoyed it. So it's great seeing you again. <laughs> Uh, well, hope to hope to pop into <clears throat> pop in to see you at some point uh, next year, and you can swear at me as much as you want. So. Oh, we awesome. will, we will. We'll, we'll have the banners at the airport. Just fuck. <laughs> my fucking taxi. Hi, mum. By the way, hi, mum. <laughs> at least I put it in a glass tonight, mum. <laughs> oh. Um. Thank you, everyone, for, for watching, uh, for, for all the questions that came through. Uh, there, was, there was a lot. I, I tried to put up as many as I could. Um, Maza, thank you for making the YouTube comment section civil for the first time in known existence. I think we've broken some Guinness records there. We'll be back maybe next week, maybe the week after. Um, we look forward to, as well, the Australian uh, Whiskey Awards have just been announced. The nominations closed for that. So we may or may not have some involvement individually or we'll be attending that. Uh, that's, that's probably a conversation for an upcoming uh, uh, talk to, to get in, in depth. But I know having been very nervous about what that could mean, I'm very heartened having some very in-depth and long discussions about the team behind that. This could be the, the one that we've been waiting for and been needing in the past five years. So that's very exciting. Looking forward to that. Um, Julian White from Whisk and Almond, uh, thank you very much as well for, for tuning in there. Uh, once again, Dave, thank you. Boom. Guys, it's been a treat. Thank you, man. I love the week to start the day. So. Thanks, Dave. Thank you so much. <laughs> I'm going to have a drink now. So. <laughs> oh, he's got it. Ah, <laughs> uh, no. no, Ken. That just made one day, night. <laughs> have a great week, everyone. Cheers, Dave. Thanks very much. Cheers, Cheers Dave. Stay safe. Thanks for listening. If you had any comments, suggestions, or just want to chat whiskey, hit us up on the Facebook or Instagram at Whiskey Roundtable. And thanks to whiskeyarden.com.au for making this podcast happen.